So welcome to a, another episode of uh, Business Brews and BS. I'm JB, got my co-host there, Odwin, and today we got with this uh, Justin Miller. He is one of the owners of Blackacre Brewing in Irvington, um, which we talked about it on another episode, uh, but Irvington is a great revitalization, revitalization story in Indianapolis. Um, you know, kind of was on the, the downtrodden path a um, few years back. Now it's kind of becoming the, the hip scene again, and uh, people are really investing a lot of money. People moving here to raise their families here. Um, and it's really a great growing community within Indianapolis area and one of the turnaround spots. Um, so, Justin, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for sitting down with us today and give us some of your time. Um, so with that, uh, I'll kind of toss it to you, um, give a little bit of your background. Um, I, I don't believe this is your only venture that you've got going. Um, so feel free to talk about what you want to talk about. Um, but uh, go ahead, sure. jump in, introduce yourself. And uh, Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the brewery is where I spend most most all my time uh with salt i'll start there we i uh, went to undergrad at, at iu moved back here for law school with my wife uh met uh met people in law school we started home brewing more we home brewed at iu kind of moved that up with us uh it was kind of right after the market crash and the the law jobs available for mediocre students weren't uh, weren't what they used to be. Um, so I mean, it's really the plan since I've been you know a small child was to rack up a lot of student debt and then start a small business. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's that's pretty much what 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 I did. Um, no, we uh, end of second law school's three years, so end of the two two L second year, we started really seriously looking into starting a, a brewery because. I did I did branding and web design in a past life, so I made a made a kind of a mostly a joke website for our brewery that was just a homebrew club, and we started getting contacted by neighborhood neighborhood development organizations in the city, offering us grant money and free rent and stuff, because uh, breweries kind of yeah. were starting to be a thing then. Yeah. Uh, so we took a meeting kind of as a joke, and <laughs> they were like seriously like the it was actually one of them was the uh, where Fountain Square Brewery currently is because that's a was a redevelopment project. Uh, and then they asked us for a pro forma, and we didn't know what one of those was, <laughs> so we had to Google it, and it's, it's like a business plan, I think. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so we went back and said, well, do we really want to do this? And we, we said, well, you know, nothing else going on. So uh, built one of those together, uh, tried to trick uh, some friends and family out of a little bit of money to compile that together. And then, uh, yeah, so like two weeks after we graduated in uh, 2011, we took possession of this place in Irvington, and uh, kind of went from there. Awesome. Good that's deal. great. Yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> like what you just said might need to be a couple-hour conversation. Right? The nuts and bolts of that is amazing. Man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's a that really is a good story because you know it's funny you go through an education, um, and I think it really goes to tell on where we are with education right now because you know you go through one thing not realizing because you're not thinking about it. when you're in school and you're getting into your education you're thinking oh well this is going to be easy i'm going to get right. my education i'm going to get my degree and i'm going to go out and get a job and this is coming from a, a carpenter cabinet builder that has a master's degree in accounting yeah so getting my education is easy it's getting the job after yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and and one thing that you don't realize is when you're growing up and what you think you want to do ends up not once 
not that's not your adult passion. Yeah. Right. And so you get in and you start to undercover things that are you're passionate about and you truly enjoy. Um, you know, because I always think back to growing up, you know, and you got the the lines that they tell you, well, what would you do if money isn't an issue? Yeah. You know, yeah. well, well, then, you know, there's a lot of different things I'd do if money wasn't an issue, but the fact is money is an issue, yeah. you know, and you've got to think about it, but that doesn't mean you can't pursue your passion um, in doing that. So, you know, kudos to you guys for, yeah, Google, for th showing you what the performer was <laughs> and being able to throw that together. Yeah. And, and then, especially in today's age, and especially in Indiana, where I believe at one point in time, I don't know if it's still true, we had more craft breweries per capita than any other state in the country. Um, you know, kudos to you guys on making it now eight years and going strong. Um, great beer, by the way. Um, I am I am doing the uh, the natural liberty. Yeah, um, citrus hopped pale lager. Yeah. yeah, and it is uh, very good. Um, I did the uh, in the previous episode we recorded. I did the oatmeal stout, um, and I did that because a lot of places do an oatmeal stout, mm -hmm. and it's kind of one of the ways that you know you, you do an oatmeal stout, and it's real quick. You can tell whether or not. They're up to par. Mm -hmm. It was a tremendous oatmeal stout. Very good. Um, enjoying this one. Um, so, Odwin, go ahead and tell us what you're what you're well, tapped into here. The last one I did was the uh, Killer Robots. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Because I, I tend to go with the lighter fare. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then this is the the saison. Yeah. So it's a it's a mix of like a, a light five percent saison and then a little bit of a, they call it a rasé. Let's play off. It's like a a raspberry rosé ale, so just kind of light summery, a lot of lot of raspberries. It's actually kettle soured, so it's got lactobacillus, a little tartness in it, but the sweetness from the raspberries. There's lactose, milk, sugar to kind of sweeten it up a little bit. So a lot of things going on, but it's it's good on its own. But it it blends down. You can you know it gives a little more sweetness to the saison and kind yeah. of makes it a little more easily drinkable. Than, I, yeah. I, I'm impressed. I was gonna say. I don't think I've had a, a, had one that was so complicated. Like, it, <laughs> like I, it just tastes complicated mm -hmm. and it's delicious. Absolutely delicious. I, I could get hammered on this and would love to. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Right. And the great thing about 5% beers is you can drink a lot of it to get hammered. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So what are you drinking there? Uh, this is uh, the same as him. It's the, uh, the Bain of Odin Saison, but it's it's without the raspberries. So okay. the, the, the unfruited version. I love right. that title. Man, that's <laughs> a great name. My wife always says that she loves beer names. She yeah. loves the names. She's yeah. like, I would love to have a job to just name beer. She can come in here and do it because after you've done 200 of them, you're just you're done. Uh, we we a lot of times will just send a keg over and the opening bartender. We're like, here's the description. You know, there's no name yet. Call it whatever you want. Uh, we're done. You just, especially with trademark issues and everything else, yeah. and, and so many breweries open. You know, you can't call it one that any other. So if, if you've got your thousands of breweries and each one yeah. of them have. You yeah. know, five to five hundred beers. Yeah, you, you pretty much have to start making up words because there's there's nothing uh, trademarkable. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. So take us back. Um, you started you started Black Acre in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, so within that that you know first five years or so, let's discuss some of the the obstacles. Um, sure. Maybe expected, maybe unexpected. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of you know how you overcame those, bypassed them, you know whatever whatever the term you want to use. But let's yeah. discuss those. 
Um, so obstacles. Uh, let's see, money starting out is always an obstacle. Uh, you've got your business plan pro forma uh, that you have, and you've got a you know a set amount of, uh, amount of money that that you have. Um, and month then, one that goes out the window. Right. Uh, we found uh, you know this was uh, this location in Irvington was a. Uh, consignment a used children's clothing store before we took it uh which uh you know was complete Obviously. gut job that we would yeah. had to do including you know new uh, we had new new roof supports all new electrical all new plumbing um so you get your estimates from your architects or, or whoever and you have an idea and then then when the change orders come back and you're like well you know we, we budgeted 120,000 for construction and now it's you know 215 uh you, uh, you, you see how long you can not pay the electrician before they sue you, <laughs> which is about five months, I found out. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, start th sending them gift cards and see if they take those, and some yeah, people do right. and some people don't. Um, but uh, we got through the first year without any uh, actions against us, so that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, the, the ramp up in the construction, I mean, you know, we had a sign out front that said we wanted to be vague because you never hit construction date. So we said coming third quarter 2011. Uh, we opened February 15th, uh, 2012. Uh, so delays are uh, yeah. always an issue, uh, both on, you know, time and money and you're not selling beer during that time and right. the landlord still wants you to pay rent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. so that was, that's always fun. And then the third thing was on the, you know, we had never, we'd never run a restaurant, which it pretty much is. And then, you know, going from, five, 10, 15 gallon batches to, I mean, the nice thing, unlike, you know, some breweries you jump right in and you're, you're a huge production. I mean, we started on uh, three barrels, so 100 gallon system, so six cakes, so still pretty small. But even on that scale, you know, just the learning curve of getting, right. getting from the, the home brew side to, uh, to, you know, fake professional, you know, start growing was, you know, there's definitely, you learn a lot of things really fast um, and, you know, the nice thing about the professional side of people paying for beer is they're much more honest on how good your beer is when they have to pay for it. Homebrew yeah, right. home people like like uh, yeah. free beer. Right. Once, once you're paying six dollars a pint, maybe it's five. Then you know if that beer's not good, they're gonna immediately tell you. So right. it's, it's good you get you get good feedback. Right. Uh, so uh, <laughs> there's no such thing as a bad free beer. Yeah. No. There's yeah. undrinkable free right. beer. Right. There's right. not a bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a binary choice. If I, I'll drink it or I won't. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so you get through that, that, that first push and you get open. Um, so as you grow it, and mm -hmm. then you can only get so big right. serving what walks into here. So then you have to start looking for distribution and how do you push out and how do you get either on tap in other restaurants, how do you get distributions through cans or bottles into liquor stores, um, talk a little bit about that process and kind of how you how you worked your way through that. Yeah, I mean, so our, our first issue was because we started so small, we didn't have near enough beer to provide just here. Um, so we, you know, we were getting double size, you know, seven barrel tanks within the first eight months. Um, then we were double brewing into those. So you're spending, you know, coming in at 5 a.m., leaving at 7 p.m. just to make enough beer that'll last two weeks and it takes three and a half weeks to ferment that beer. Wow. So you're, you know, you're just kind of drowning and you can't produce enough, which you know, on that scale, you're either not producing enough and it's a problem or you're producing more than people can have. And that's, a, that's a bigger problem. So right. it's right. a better problem to have, but still, still a problem. Um, going from that to, uh, the distribution side really was because we needed to support this, 
you know, the tap room, and that was our main focus. We needed a bigger system. And the economies of scales on stainless and brewing systems is, you know, the difference between uh, a thousand gallon and a two thousand gallon tank is it's you know it's, it's a lot it's a lot smaller than just, it's not like you're doubling the price every size you go up. So right. if you're already spending X number of you know hundred thousand dollars, you know spending an extra fifteen thousand to double your capacity. Right. Right. Um, so we went into it thinking, hey, we just want to provide the neighborhood, yeah. and then once we started pricing things out, you're like, well, you know, yeah. we, we we undersized one time. Yeah. Let's let's make sure we have enough capacity. Um, so we did that, and that's when we kind of started slowly looking at, at distribution. Um, we were kind of lucky that we were still in the, I mean, back. I think back when we looked at distribution, there's 30 breweries in the state compared to the 160 or so plus now, um, so, so still a little smaller. Um, so we were at the point where we got to interview all of the local distributors and pick the one we wanted, where now it's the other way around, or right. they, you know, wow. they, there's a, a lot more choosing. Um, uh, ended up with Monarch World Class, uh, which is kind of the it's the Mill, Miller Coors House largest distributor in the state. Um, and you know, but we just started. We started just Marion County. Then we did Marion County and Donuts. Then we kind of, we kind of slowly grew it because we didn't want to. We were still still didn't have that much beer that we didn't want to overpromise and have to you know, right. pull back. Um, in terms of the the problems or or things when you go to you know bars and restaurants, package stores, um, you've got to be a lot more on your game with quality and consistency. Um, found out, I mean, for, for us, that was mainly on the clarity side because for me personally, I don't really care if I can, if the, if the beer's crystal clear or, right. or hazy or now people want it hazy instead of crystal clear, as long as it, it tastes good and smells good, I'm, I'm good with it. Right, but, right. But when you're selling it to accounts, it, however it is, it needs to be consistently yeah. that. You know, yeah. you, need to, you need to have that when you're, when you control the whole means of production all the way to the tap, you have a lot more flexibility. If, if something comes off wrong, you just pull that to a side, troubleshoot it, put something else on. When that's being sent down to Evansville, you need to make sure that, you know, you're kind of right. on your game there. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of that is sales, and none of us were big sales people. I mean, you have the distributors who, who sell for you, but they've got a book of, you know, 100 plus breweries. They're really not selling your beer. They're... Yeah, yes. they're just waiting on somebody to order it, ask right. for it, or something right. like that, right? Um, and so, you know, slowly growing into having, we now have one one sales uh, for for all the states and, and Europe, um, but yeah. one guy, but uh, it's more than zero, and kind of going that, have been able to service <laughs> the accounts and, right. and do that side, which, you know, everyone who, you know, myself and Steve, the other uh, brewer partner, um, neither one of us, I'd much rather be hidden in a brewery instead of talking to people so we're not not the uh, person who will walk into a, a restaurant and you know try to try to sell someone a beer I yeah. just I, I just cringe trying to sell people things so yeah, sure. some yeah. people are good at that you know, I'm not I did um, it for 20 years and uh, I never got used to it it's yeah. different it's different my dad's great at it he's in like paper printing sales for his, his whole life he you know you can tell where someone went to high school just by looking at them and I can't remember someone's name until I've met him 20 times. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, go ahead. so with the consistency, um, did you find it easier as you went larger um, in your yeah. brewing size to be more consistent? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, just on the scale, the better equipment, your larger equipment is generally better equipment because it's more expensive it's for a larger yeah. system. Also, I mean, just the things like, you know, so we'll... 
we'll brew our main beers mostly into 60 barrel tanks, so uh, 31 gallons a barrel, uh, whatever that math ends up yeah. being. But our, our brew system's a 15, 15 to 20 barrel brew system. So for those beers, we're brewing four batches into it. So not only is the process uh, more controlled and better, you're blending. So if you've got if your mash temperature is a degree high in one, low in another, something's a little off, that that effect of blending into your one vessel gives you that you know consistency. You know you can see that even more than you know some macro beers. You have a, a PBR or whatever. You, they, they could be blending tens yeah. to hundreds of batches together, right, and yeah, so you're right. always getting that that right. same thing. Right. Um, you know that and just you know glycol being able to fully crash the tanks. We didn't. We didn't have jacketed fermenters here. Uh, we just had a controlled room for fermentation. Then we did all the crashing in the bright. You don't have the benefit of your, your con the geometry of letting that yeast drop as well. Um, so there, there's a, there's a lot of upsides. And we're still, I mean, we're still kind of in the infancy scale of big boy breweries. Um, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can get a get a lot fancier. We don't, we don't filter. We don't centrifuge. We don't do you know all that from the the clarity side. I mean, we can still get it. We can still get beer clear, and I think there's a lot of benefits from a, a flavor and aroma perspective of not doing some of those things. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, with, with, with any business, um, you know, I, I think that's important of finding that sweet spot that you do well at and knowing that you, you don't always have to go bigger yeah. to, to be better. It's finding the size that fits you um, and being good at that. Right. You know, and so I would say, based upon the beers that we're sitting here drinking, um, you've done very well at the, the size you're at right now. Um, well, I, I think, it's, first of all, it's a fascinating, your, your whole story is fascinating. Um, but I want to take it back to being here in Irvington. Sure. Because, so as an artist, I travel around countries selling my art, blah, blah, blah. Um, but locally, living here in Indy, I... Uh, I'll go to an area like, let's say, Carmel. Yeah. And I'll do a show, and you, you have a good show, okay? But I do the, the Irvington Halloween Festival. Yeah, here. yeah. Bonkers. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now, if I said to one person, where would you make more money as an artist? Carmel or Irvington? Everyone who lives in central Indiana would say, Carmel. Double the money in Irvington. A one-day show, in one day I make more than I do in two days in Carmel. And so, but, but the, the difference is the culture in Irvington, the people in Irvington love Irvington. Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about the success of Black Acre mm -hmm. spawning here in Irvington? What if you came up in Carmel? What if you, right. any other area? I just yeah. would be interested in your take on that. Yeah, and that was kind of really important for us when we were looking. You know, we didn't we didn't start the plan as we were going to be an Irvington uh, brewery. You know, none of us uh, lived in Irvington. You know, we went to Jacoba's Pizza because it was delicious, but that was really yeah. that's what we knew yeah. Irvington for. Um, but what we really wanted, I mean, we wanted to do our idea. If you're going to be small, right? You're going to have the small system. Uh, you got to sell everything by the pint. Uh, we like the idea of it, it's a you know, a pre-prohibition style brewery. You know, back before refrigeration, where all the beers you made were people who could walk or drive there, you know, it's, you're, you're serving your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that's what we wanted to, and to have that, you needed to have a good, tight-knit neighborhood that, that you know, either was underserved at the time with that or, or really wanted that. Because if you go somewhere, you know, you don't want to go somewhere just because the demographics are right and they don't want you there, right? Exactly, uh, yeah. And Irvington, I mean, from the second we, you know, announced we did, 
you know, we did the first Halloween fest and we weren't open. We just had a sign and, you know, gave out free samples. And people even then were, you know, they were crazy supportive. They'd come in. I mean, that's where, you know, you'll get, and even now you'll get people, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'll get the out of town, you'll get the donut counties. But I mean, the, what pays the payroll really yeah. every week is the local community and the people yeah. that comes in. And, yeah. you know, for us, it's nice because you can get feedback from them. People, you know, you can craft, especially on the small, you know, on the small scale, you can craft beers based on what a pretty small group of people want to drink because yeah. at the end of the day, you're, you're making stuff for them. They're your client. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the people, you know, in, in that That's neighborhood. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, so with that, um, what are maybe some of the unexpected challenges um, that you hit in really growing this business that, you know, when you looked at it sure. and, you know, you put your pro forma together and you jumped out there and you're open now for business, um, you know, what, what were a couple of the challenges that you kind of ran up against that were maybe a little more unexpected? So you're unexpected. Um, I mean, I think the whole uh, kind of how, how things scale and how that how that affects your bottom line especially in a capital intensive industry like like brewing I mean if you look if you look at our five-year performer when we started uh, we're we're much larger than what we thought five years we've also paid much less to the investors than we promised them in the five years because uh, right. you know when you're growing all that money you know we you know we don't have a bank loan we've never done you know debt financing it's we're gonna take you know we built a fairly large production facility all off the back of profits from the tap room. Um, yeah. And everything's you know, reinvesting, rolling that in. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't, you've got to pay your staff because you want to keep them. But after that, you know, you can, you cut yeah. your pay rate down or you don't take a paycheck so you can get that next tank and, you know, keep growing. And, and then it's finding, you know, when, when is a good point to stop, breathe and say, you know, this is where we want to be. Let's, yeah. let's just, you know, take yeah. a breather and let things settle. And when is it we need to keep blitzing forward because it's you know you got to get in brewing especially if you're doing distribution at all and we're not even really there yet you've got to get to a certain scale to make it even not lose you money yeah. you know we yeah. sell a we sell a keg of beer you know the profit on that is less than selling five pints out of a tap room when you factor all the costs in oh yeah uh, you yeah. know it's, it's you know you've got multiple people who need to make their money on it you've got you know that keg that you may be renting that doesn't come back for four months yeah um yeah. you've got you know paying your sales a guy a livable wage that you can't sell enough beer for him to make his money so, you know sell yeah. in that keg it's, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. you know distribution is it's a marketing expense yeah. Yeah. really uh, oh, until yeah. you get to a size yeah and um, so the tap room is having a successful tap room is really important because that does for our model yeah, yeah because it, it creates the margin that you need to really kind of carry everything else on the back end that you need to grow yes yeah uh, right. And I mean, Indiana. Some, I mean, some states you can't even you can't do that. You can't. I mean, not let alone self distribution. But you, I mean, you can't. You know, sell beer in here. So I mean, we on a hundred gallon system, we would have been out in six months selling that beer yeah. out in market. You just yeah. you don't have the scale to, to do that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so Justin, <clears throat> so we, me and JB often talk about like going from like a one or two man show to getting to be like a five man show and mm -hmm. scaling your business. But when you get to a point where you have investors mm -hmm. and you have to go to investors and say, okay, this is our plan now. This is what we had to incur. This is how we're gonna grow. Right. We're not giving back as much as we thought, but long term, this is kind of the plan. How do you approach 
that conversation. Because I would imagine it'd be really complicated. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, the longer it goes on, the more complicated it may be. I mean, how we structured our organization was, I mean, none of our investors have any control or voting. They're passive. You know, it's, I mean, the 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 upside for them is they don't they don't have to come into meetings, do things. They don't. There's never you know. Uh, calls for money based on percentage or anything yeah, else. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a one and done. The downside is, you know, especially, we, we did pretty much micro-investments, right? I mean, we we raised, you know, a little over $200,000, but the average investor put between 1500 and $3,000. Um, so we've got, that would have been a lot of cooks in the kitchen if we said, yeah. let's all have board meetings with 40 people here and everyone tell us what beer we need to make next month. Um, yeah. At the same time, you're cognizant that, I mean, you have their, you know, well-earned money that you're putting into things and you know they believed in you and you want to make sure that they're mm -hmm. you know yeah. at some point getting yeah. getting yeah. something back yeah. for that whether that is you know staying in for the long run you know converting it to someone else yeah. or you know ideally getting to the stage where we're yeah. issuing, gotcha. issuing yeah. dividends um, but but yeah i mean so so for us it's trying to figure out what we think the best course is and, and hoping that the majority of them yeah. agree with right. us yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, trying to work through the ones who don't. So you've had to go back and you've had to sell your, your investors on the concept of growth over immediate returns. Um, and how, I mean, how, how has that went over? Have most of them been, they've been, they've understand that, you know what, I would rather let my money set and invest in long-term growth rather than short-term returns. I mean, have you found that yeah. to be the case that most of them are? You know, I, I think so. I mean, when you when you pitch raising money for something like this, right, and, I, and anyone who is a, you know, a reasonable investor, if you're, if you're putting your money in, in this, you should assume you're burning it in a ceremonial urn, right? right. Uh, and we try to be yeah. clear with that. You don't want to take anyone's kid's college fund or like, this, right. is, this is my retirement. Right. I'm cashing out my 401k. Right. This should be, you know, a very risky type of gambling that you assume never is coming back, but if it does, you'll be very pleased. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, and you lose some investors from beginning that way. But right. <laughs> that's yeah, sure. But, but really, I mean, you want to be, you want to be uh, upfront with that. And especially, uh, I didn't have family invest, but other partners did, and you know, no one wants an awkward Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's uh, you know, trying to. Do your best with the path forward and, and laying out where you think things are, and uh, you know, yeah. going from there. And you know, if, if you know, we've had a couple where you know they're like, well, they either moved away so they're not connected, or they're not, you know, no longer here. Where you know, well, what we've mostly done so far is just buying back those years, have the, have the company own more of itself, right? Because um, it's really no, it's not a, it's not a regulated traded security. They can't. They can't just sell right. it to their broker and he sells yeah. it to someone else. You're, kind of, right. you're stuck with it unless... Right, right. Yeah. So you think that that gave you ultimately more flexibility because this was crowdfunded as opposed to, you know, one or two large investors yes. that would have wanted a much more control right. and say right. and influence over the decisions you right. make. Yeah, the, the upside of large investors is large paychecks. The downside is then, then, yeah. Yeah, then you've got... You've got another cook in the kitchen, yeah, yeah. and and we launched with five owners, so we already had too many cooks in the kitchen, really. Right. I mean, for right. a for, right. for a small tap room. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that was one of the benefit of kind of the, the the micro investment is you know, no no one person. We had a couple that were substantially larger than the others, but I mean, no one was was 
was hitting a you know big jump you know, over over ten percent right. of the investment or whatever right. the number is. Because I think you know anybody growing a business, and I mean we, me and Alderman have had these discussions in the past. You know when it when it comes to access to capital and growing a business, um, that that's an important aspect of it because growing any business requires capital down right. the road for something. Um, yeah. You know, and if you're, you know, trying to work with the banks, um, which are probably the worst, <laughs> the worst way to grow a deal with, you yeah. know, and deal with banks, um, because they are, are sometimes, I believe, some of the dumbest people in business work yeah. in the in the background in banks analyzing businesses, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, as opposed to crowdfunding. And I think that's really where crowdfunding and where it's came over the last 10 years has really yeah. changed the way. Um, a lot of people grow a business. And I think there's a lot of people out there wanting to grow a business and they become intimidated by that. Right. Either their own personal financial situation or whatever it is, they, be, they think a bank is the only option. Um, you know, they get intimidated by crowdfunding and what that means. I, I'm baffled how you could just have a business plan and get like an SBA loan. It's hard, it's hard enough if you've got five, 10 years of business yeah. and profit and it's still yeah. a questionable loan. I, mean, yeah. I guess, you know, if you just have personal credit to support it, but I can tell you none of us had personal credit to support anything right. when we started this. Yeah. Uh, just boatloads of debt. Well, and I mean, I mean, my business, we're going through that right now because we're, we're in the process of, of trying to, to make an acquisition of a, a larger cabinet company than what we are. Sure. And um, we're working through the bank on the SBA financing and mm -hmm. what we realize are there's, there's people in a bank that look at the P&L and they'll see a loss at the end of the year. You know, and you got to try to get these people that have never owned a business, they've never run anything, they've just, you know, they've had a job, they've collected their paycheck, and tried to explain to them that at the end of the year, I really don't want to show a profit. Right. Because that's what the government taxes. I want to run my business so that I can pay everything, do everything I want to do, and at the end of the year, I don't make any money doing it. <laughs> we, we, we talk to a bank, and they're, yeah, they're like, you, know, you have all these years, and you've never shown a profit. And yeah. Like, and it wasn't that hard. You know? yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. um, but you know, if you just look at if you just look at the pol, and you're like, oh, you know, uh, you've lost a lot of money. You're like, no, it's it's re it's you know, yes. you're reinvesting, you're growing. But yeah, the, that's what I mean. Pretty much from the bank's perspective, is if, if you want to do that, you need to you need to take a year or two and just take the money and put it in the bank. Yeah. And that kind of wasn't that interesting for us, so we kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, early on in a business, that that becomes self-defeating. Yeah. If right. you're just taking your cash and stuffing it in your pocket and in the bank, right. and you're not reinvesting your growth, right. and you're not finding ways to make yourself bigger and better, mm -hmm. um, that's going to bite you in the long run. Right. Also, I mean, we kind of like having the control, no other investors with with control. I mean, once once you take that bank loan, you know, yeah. I, I can I can long pay a lot of people. If I miss, <laughs> yeah, right. if, if I miss that SBA yeah. payment yeah. four times, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. my, my tanks are, yeah. uh, are rolling out the door. So it's, it's, much uh, it's more terrifying. A, yeah, yeah, it's much easier to convince a small investor that uh, <laughs> we're investing in growth than it is the banker coming in yeah. once a month going, where's my payment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because uh, this past uh, February, so I do, I said earlier, I do a lot of art shows all across the country. Mm -hmm. I also do a lot of Brewers Guild events in Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. And I was doing a show in Ohio, February, last February, and I met a guy who had started a brewery, and it's like, it's it's like brew-flavored tea that's beer, it's like tea beer. Okay. So he, he uses tea, I remember that. Mm -hmm. 
they, their roof was right next to me. And yeah. so I sampled it, it was good and stuff. And I was talking to him and he was saying that he'd been in it for like five years. And he was saying when he first started that he had no problems getting back into like, people were saying like, gut this factory and turn it into a big place and serve food and right. we got you, we got your back, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna push you all the And he was like, I don't even know which one of these are gonna be my top three. You right. know what I mean? So he took the, 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 the way of going small mm -hmm. and growing. And then he said next year was his first year that they're going to grow a little bit because they're in like a small strip mall. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about what the landscape was when you started mm -hmm. versus like right now? Because his thoughts were, at least in Ohio, he was saying in Columbus, that there were a lot of breweries that were were, were not doing as well and right. people were falling off and he was going he was still growing right. all he had was steady growth for four years instead of going big then right. suffering the consequences of going big yeah and i think that i mean brewing i mean a lot of industries but brewing specifically you can see i mean it it was the case when we started it's much more so the case now, I mean, my argument is you'll, if you make good beer and you're serving a community, there's always room for you, right? right. No one says, oh, there's already three burger places in a large metropolis, you can't have a fourth burger, <laughs> burger shop. Right. You right. know, there, there's room for good product. The, the issue is when people, you know, come in and they say, hey, we're gonna be the next Bell Sierra Nevada sunking up with what, you know, choose your example, and you're just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go and go for my five gallon home brew and I'm gonna, I'm gonna brew 100,000 barrels in my mm -hmm. second year. Right. You know, that's, that's setting up a pretty big, uh, right. you know, post for you to try to to try to clear. And there's a lot of things I think people don't factor into that. I mean, I, I think that starting starting small, making sure you have a market, uh, and then growing in safe uh, amounts to fill that market. I mean, it's not it's not as, as flashy, but um, I think there's you know, if if you look at kind of where the industry has gone, the 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 people that were kind of a little more reserved in their growth and some grew like crazy but it was fast and warranted you know they, mm -hmm. yeah you know it, yeah. nothing to say you can't you can't be big fast but there needs to you need to show that there's a Just there's a market there instead of day one being yeah. right look yeah. us up we need to fill these huge tanks yeah we're um, gonna be budweiser right next week. right <laughs> yeah right please try our blonde yeah yeah so, um, <laughs> but if we if we look at your growth you know i mean it's a lot of breweries grow um you know they'll they'll get the state they'll get distribution in contiguous states to that mm -hmm. um yours is a little bit different it's it's indiana kentucky europe <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah little little pops in europe uh you know that was kind of you know maybe even kind of a one-off thing you know just uh brew dog which now is a brewery in ohio uh, we sold some beer to them because they have pubs you know they're mm -hmm. huge growth pubs all over europe so uh sold some beer there uh Sold beer a couple times in Amsterdam, uh, Netherlands. Um, you know that's that's not on in our business plan or on the line. On it's more of a fun thing to see. Uh, you know, untapped reviews in Dutch that you can't understand. Um, right, right. <laughs> you've got to translate the, the bad ones to know what they say, and the good ones. You're just like, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're we're launching Cincinnati the the first of July. Um, we started. I was kind of adamant that we wouldn't go outside the state. I just felt you know. I, I'm not a fan of a regional brewery. I feel like, you know, if you're doing the person in your backyard's probably making a fresher, better IPA. I should, my sales guy's going to kill me for that. Uh, <laughs> than, than the person, you know, yeah. four states away. Yeah. And that, you know, what, 
what are you bringing to the table? If you focus on, you know, Brett age saisons, yeah, then maybe go wide because you're a niche yeah. and you're, it's not served in that community. Yeah. But if you're if you're doing, you know, pretty much regular styles, what what makes that you need to go there? Um, but for us, I mean, these the, the markets we've chosen to go to outside of the state. I mean, they're closer to me than than South Bend, where we're in the state. So there's still, you know, that beer is just as fresh. It's in. I mean, we're right. we're in a. You know, we can get in. You know, two hours you can get to Louisville, you can get to Cincinnati, you can get to these places. Services accounts just as well as you are yeah. there. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really want to grow uh, much outside that. But you know, they're they're large beer drinking markets that I feel like we can Absolutely. serve and still have good fresh products. So that's kind of where we uh, yeah. look to sure. with that. So. And Cincinnati is a good market. Yeah, we're we're yeah, excited to launch it. We're launching it with a you know a fairly new kind of small uh, distributor, kind of the the opposite of what we have in Monarch. And for all that you know. There's, there's good and bad for super large distributors. There's good and bad for the yeah. really small ones. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a passionate group of craft beer lovers. And, you know, we don't we don't need to sell a lot of beer there. We just want to make sure that the experience people have with it is great. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, a, that's important, too, because some people get focused on the growth. Um, and they don't have the willpower, really, to pull back on the reins and say, I'm not going to sacrifice quality to get the growth. Right. You know, so I, I, that's very interesting to hear you say that because I, I think it's the opposite of the way a lot of people think. A lot of people, you know, would be willing to sacrifice some of the quality to get the growth. And I mean, we're, we're still at the point where, and it's just as much bad as good that we, we sell a hundred and ten percent of the beer we make. You know, we we have three core beers that you know we were out of one of them for the whole month of May. We are yep. you know we're in and out of things. You know, now that we're kind of dipping our toe into grocery, they don't really a uh, Meyer Kroger isn't very receptive. And you're like, hey, that that spot you on the shelf, you're not. There's yeah. none of it for this month. We can't, uh, yeah. Again, sales guy would would just have to pretend <laughs> yeah, that didn't yeah. happen. So yeah, right. uh, under the rug. But um, but yeah. So I mean, we're we're still in the position where we can kind of pick. Where, where best our beer goes. And it's not like, you know, and you can make some maybe suboptimal decisions if you've got a cold room stacked full of beer that's gonna go bad in three months and you've just yeah. gotta move it out the door. Yeah. Yeah. So talk through a little bit the process of how you look at developing, brewing a new beer style. You know, how do you, how do you go about thinking, hey, this is something we wanna try. Um, you know, it's becoming popular in the market, you know, however it is, talk, talk through that a little bit. That, I mean, that's why Steve and I got into this, if you're like new and, and fun things, that's the best, best and easiest part, part of the job, because each of us have a list six pages long of pet things that we haven't been able to brew, because you're brewing the same four things that are your, your core beers yeah. right. uh, over and over and over again, um, which is still, you know, still fun, but it becomes, you know, you're, you're making dog food at that point, right? You know, it's right. Not, yeah, it's, that's it's, work. It, it, it's yeah. it's a process. It's a, you you hit it yeah. every time. You have yeah. you have SOPs that you you hit, and you want that quality there. But uh, the creativity, you know, eight years in, it's there's it's it's no longer a creative process. It is a industrial process. Yeah, right. Um, the the new things, a lot of fun. We had the you know, kind of benefit of you know we still had the small hundred gallon system, and you know we tried to keep. 2025 of our own beers on the board. We're a little low right now because we're moving things around. Um, but that gives you, I mean, that gives you the place. I mean, Irvington is our test market, right? So we can we can brew things 100 gallons at a time, throw it out there, and we'll know pretty quickly if yeah. if, it, if it's a hit or if at least Irvington doesn't doesn't <laughs> right. for it. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I mean, even in small neighborhoods, there's there's kind of weird taste things where some people mm-hmm. one beer will do really well. And uh, Natural Liberty that you're drinking. 
Uh, Irvington, uh, it's, it's never really set the world on fire. They, they love Saucy Intruder as our first main yeah. beer, and everyone's kind of stuck with that, where, you know, in, in market, especially in the summer because it's lighter, it'll go, it'll go head-to-head in market, but it, it, won't, it won't touch it in the, the tap room. So. Um, but, yeah, you still get that, that flexibility of, you know, we're able to have a lot of beers on and, you know, a lot of times we'll scale something. We'll have one year we'll do one small 100-gallon batch. The next year we'll say, let's do a seven-barrel batch and maybe do a small run of cans for the pub. The next year, hey, this was enough. Let's do a splash seasonal and market. And you can just organically grow it instead of making yeah. a 1,000 gallons and, yeah. Yeah. you know, twisting your fingers. Yeah. Like, that's Hope people right. like this. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. So as you, as you look across, I know there's, there's companies in my industry that I compete with, um, you know, that I, I admire. I, mm-hmm. I really like what they do. I like the product, their design, their eye for detail. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who in this market would you look at and say, you know, we really, we really think they do it the right way? Yeah, these are always tricky questions. Cause they are. Because it's, it's a compliment, but the people you leave out is a... <laughs> so, so you got to carefully wade your way through this. Um, uh, so, yeah. With, I mean, I'll put the caveat out there. From the, from the beer that we've had here, yeah, I mean, you're... you're you're, yeah. you're not a step behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> we, we've, we've had some places that yeah. the beer is, is very average and good. Um, you're, you're definitely on the above average side. Yeah, really, sure. so, so kudos for that. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a couple uh, that kind of we, we look to, and there's there's 100 I'm leaving out. Just right, sure, sure. Out. Um, I, I think on one side, if you look all the way back to, you know, the first brew pub in the state and Rob Ripple brew pub, and, oh, you know, and, right. and, you know, John starting that, I mean, it was, you know, because after, when we opened, it kind of it kind of slowly started to move away from the, the pub aspect of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that was a big thing in the 90s, and there was kind of that, that crash back, and then it was kind of, we, we started to write the launch of the of your, your bigger breweries. You know, we came right after Sun King and Flat 12 and, uh, you know, Triton. There's my phone. Um, sales rep. Uh, and, and so, you know, going back to the, just like the, the quality of service and making sure that the customer experience is there and they come back every time. They might not even, you know, want a beer or they have, you know, the same beer yeah. uh, every time, but giving, giving that, that sense of place that yeah. you can have people, yeah. you know, it's a gathering spot. It's a, yeah. you come here because it's, it's a whole, it's a whole, the whole experience of the place and not just the Absolutely. beer or, or any one aspect of it. So, um, you know, that's, that's one. I mean, locally here on the, on the, the QC side and, you know, in consistency and quality, quality, I mean, Sun King has a, a great lab program there. Their, you know, their, their beer quality is, you know, Great across the board. Their sour area is uh, envious of having. You know, they keep all their barrels in, in cold storage, so you can you know control that and minimize microbiological growth. Which you know I can't hardly fit all my kegs in our cold room, let alone all the barrels we have going. <laughs> so and and I, I kind of on with that. Just not just them. Everyone around. What I love is just the sense of community in the brewing industry. Which, mm-hmm. I haven't been in that many industries, so I can't say, but there's not, it's not a competitive thing. If you run out of a bag of grain, if you need a yeast off someone, if you have an issue with your canning line, bottler, whatever, you call someone up, they'll bend over backwards to help you. You know, cool. we're, yeah. we're still less than 7% of the 
the beer market in the state, so it's it's not a us versus them. I mean, it's it's getting crowded in the restaurants, and that's not to say there's not friendly yeah. competition with those taps, but it's still really a, you know, if someone's first experience in craft beer, they're not gonna say, oh, I don't like X brewery. They're gonna say, maybe I don't like craft beer. So it's, it's your, in your best interest to elevate the whole yeah. field. And I think, yeah. I think that's been really great with the industry. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think there's, there's definitely a synergy kind of effect within craft brewing that, um, you know, the more successful craft brewing is, the more successful everybody within craft brewing is, you know, and I think that's right. where Sun King is. It's really kind of interesting to see how they've evolved from being kind of one of the early pioneers in craft brewing in Indiana to now yeah. they're kind of the grandfather right. of the industry. Right. I mean, they're kind of the, they're kind of looked upon as the big yeah. guy that, that people, right. you know, look to and stuff like that. But I, I think that's... that's Breweries got all quick. And the, you know, it's, it's yeah. crazy how 10 years is a long time in this young yeah. industry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, but I, I think that's interesting for you to say, though, because that is neat to see that, you know, even though it is competitive, you're all competing for the same craft brew dollars, right. but you understand that the more successful each of you are, the bigger that craft brew dollar becomes. Yeah. I mean, we can bring a growler into their lab and an extra growler for them to drink, and they'll just, you know, say, hey, I'm, I, you know, really curious about just running this test, this test, and this test. You know, they'll yeah. uh, do it, no questions asked, and it's, you know, it's great. So, so in, in, in craft beer, so, <clears throat> so you're at IU Law, but you're not a scientist. Like, yeah. And so to, to learn the different <laughs> variances of crafting mm -hmm. beer, there's a science that's, yeah. that goes to it. So what was it, what was it like learning all those nuances? Because any business that you start, you, there are aspects, we were talking earlier in the other podcasts about you're learning social media when you're not really a social media person because right. if you don't, you have to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how, how has learning the things that you didn't know about brewing beer, how has that affected you and how has the learning curve, you know, been difficult going through that? Yeah, I mean, really to be to be a, I mean, a, a great brewer, you're, you're, you're a microbiologist, you're, you're an engineer, uh, and then there's you know, that creativity, how you define that aspect of it. And I had no, and maybe maybe a business degree. I took no business classes. I didn't take a single science class at IU. Test, tested out of math and science, and just never took a single course. Uh, and uh, it, not not great at the engineering. So uh, I mean, the the quick answer is the internet's great. Um, but uh, I mean, the, the long answer is, yeah, I mean, you you I mean, you learn through experience, whether that's learning on your own, grabbing a book, looking at a YouTube video, or again, reaching out to someone who's been doing it longer and, and gleaning the, the wealth of information that's just out there in the community. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you start a business with all lawyers, your skill set is pretty defined. Right. You know, we, we can review a contract, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, the field of microbiology was created for beer pretty much. You know, yeah. faster, it, was, it was, you know, Carlsberg Brewery funded uh, microbiology, so, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you just kind of uh, on the fly learn things, and you every day, you know, you kind of figure out something else and keep going. So, how, how about this? Here's a question. I, I somehow I always ask this question, which is interesting. But what are the have uh, over these years? What's been kind of the oh crap? Oh shit! Moments mm -hmm. where where you're. I like, wasn't sure if we could curse or not. So yeah, 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 yeah. I always, I always start by editing myself. Yeah, and I follow right, up by right. giving myself the word. But so, what's the like the oh shit moments that you've been like, you know, oh shit, you know, like 
Because it, and when you start a business, there's all you're jumping sometimes, and you don't know where you're gonna land. Yeah. So what are some moments where you jumped a hurdle and you were like, oh shit, okay, how are we gonna land? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, or boil them down, because I'm sure. They're right. Familiar. Right. Uh, I mean, let's see those. Those moments, I mean, kind of some some scary ones are when you you reinvest in the new system, new facility, you have all that you know that that money, and then it's you know, then it's the hey, you know, we were we were pretty much glorified homebrewing here. This this is this is a real you know production facility with everything that that goes into it. Like yeah. you know, again back to not the you know not the formal trade or anything else. It's uh, you know. Oh shit! We have to brew yeah. real beer on a real brewery now, and yeah. we got to we got to pay back. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. there's now yeah. bills that have to be paid. Um, you know, I think that's that's one side. Um, another is, I mean, just just from the the business aspect as a whole, whether that's on like the you know HR payroll or just budgeting and getting that all going. I mean, that's you know, no one dreams about starting a small business to spend hours at QuickBooks at their desk, yes. you know, yes. doing that. And, yes. you, and you realize really quickly how much you don't know yeah. Uh, yeah. when you go in there, whether that's that, I mean, you're, uh, that, that in Excel, and you'll, you'll, you'll realize you can, you can ring a lot out of Excel when you have to, yeah. um, but you know, you just, it wasn't something you thought about going in. You'd make 70 test recipes for things, but no one's making tests. Well, some people probably are, and they're smarter than me, but I'm not making test spreadsheets on, yeah. on, on how to yeah. document yeah. You know, X, Y, or Z. Um, so I think yeah, that's, you know, that, that was a thing. And then, you know, I guess also, you know, we never, problems such as just, you know, we just, we're, we're sitting in a room that's one third of the way done, which is our first, first seating expansion in, in eight years other than the patio. And it's, it was just, you know, you want to be, cons again, you want to be conservative as well when you start, but then when you're a year in and it's packed all the time and you're like, oh shit, those dollars are just coming yeah. in and walking out the door. Yeah. And Irvington was kind of still in that spot where you know it's not really a nightlife destination currently so people right. are taking that chance driving out here yeah. and if they can't get in you know once we expand into the other side and get that going it's going to take a while to convince people of yes there's going to be a seat for you on a friday or saturday night. you know please please come back you know it's uh, I'm, I'm glad you hit that because so me and my wife at the time we were just dating mm -hmm. we'd heard about you know giacomo's and we heard about black acre and so we would come, it took forever for us to kind of come in and comfortably, because it's, it's two of us. Right. So it was always so packed that right. we would have to just leave. Right. And so we finally got in, mm -hmm. and then it, that was always a conversation like, ah, are we going to drive, because we live on the west side, so it's like, oh, we're going to drive all the way it's out. It's a risk. Yeah. And, then, and then not get in, so we just kind of backed off of it. Yep. So when I came in, I was like, wait a minute. They changed it in here. You know what I mean? It's really cool, man. Yeah, I mean that's, you know, again, there's there's issues that have good and bad. I mean, I, I think that is, is almost as much as much good good as bad being you know too full. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm probably an extreme personally where you know when we're I don't like large groups of people when I'm going out. So I I always moan you know bemoan that my favorite places are always closing. I realize I go to the places where I can go on a Friday night and I'm the only person at the bar talking to the bartender. And you're like, well, that's probably not good for their bottom line, but that's, that's where I want to sit, you know, just right. a chill place where right. you can you know, hear yourself think and everything, and that's, that's definitely not what this currently is at, yeah. the, at, yeah. a, at a Friday yeah. night. It's a di different experience, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's tremendous. I, well, I was bringing up, I was talking about, you know, oh shit moments and things that you, you have pop up that 
make you go, okay, we jumped the hurdle, but now we don't know where we're going to land. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's just always fascinating because every business deals with that mm-hmm. at every level, no yeah. matter how, where you are, early, middle, or far beyond. Yeah, and that's, I mean, even though, you know, most people look at that and be like, oh, that's a good problem to have. You're so yeah. packed, you know, you can't serve at all. But on the flip side, that's a lot of lost revenue. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of opportunity lost. That's a lot of revenue lost. And um, I mean, you could get to a day where now eight of the ten people who came in and are coming back, and then you're like, well, it's it's not, there's an empty table this time. Who, right. Yeah. What are those ten people who would have been happy to have it if they knew it was there? But, right. you know, they're, it's, it's yeah. off their, I mean, there's still, I mean, there's places... Mass App, Fountain Square, Broderville, wherever, where it's the same for us. We're like, oh, I really like that place. I'll, I'll go there on a Tuesday, maybe, but yeah, come right. weekend. It's not even on yeah, the list yeah. of options. You, yeah. Just, yeah. you just leave it off. Well, and it's, it's, it's funny because uh, so my wife and a good friend of hers um, have this place, and I can't remember the name of it, some, some cake, I don't know, woman's place, something. <laughs> um, but they want to go for lunch and they want to mm-hmm. do it on a Saturday. And so they called to get a reservation. August. Before they could get a reservation yeah. for lunch on a Saturday. Wow. And, you know, it's kind of like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a good problem to have. But on the yeah. flip side, it's, you know, when you, when you lose a customer, and yeah. even if it's, it's not because of bad service, bad yeah. product, anything, it's just because they couldn't get in. Yeah. That's, that's dollars you may never get back. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you had that one, or sometimes you get that one shot, right. and if you don't get them back. And then, um, then, I mean, kind of with that, we also... You know, lose people because you know we we're adamant that you know no kids when we started we're all we're all young no one no right. one no one when you're in your mid to late twenties unless you already have them really wants to have kids around right. yeah. and now you see all of your loyal adamant millennial customers now they're getting yeah. kids yeah. and you, they're dropping off right they're right. not they can like well right. I, I maybe get a sitter once a month they're yeah. not they're not in here three days a week yeah. anymore and you're like. That's, I mean, that's, that's real lost revenue because, yeah. you know, and there's a balance between you want to, you want a haven for people where they can come after work and not, and, you know, unwind and not have a screaming baby next to them. Yeah. But at the same time, you yeah. know, you don't want to just push people out. So we're, I mean, we're still kind of grappling with, yeah. you know, what we do there and what's the right. But know, the good so. news are those people come back because eventually they're like us and they become empty nesters. The kids move out. <laughs> so, and then you look at, so I've already done my deal with kids. Yeah. I don't want to go where there's a bunch of screaming kids. I just got to wait 20 years. And you I'm just got to wait 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> It'll all be back around. All right. So <laughs> let's say there's, uh, there's some young college kids in uh, campus XYZ right now. And uh, they're making their little batch of brew in their dorm room, and they're thinking, "Wow, I can go put out a uh, GoFundMe. I can start a brewery. Um, give them, give them a piece of advice um, that you that you would throw out there." Sure. Uh, I mean, my my first. So people, you know, people come in all the time and say, "Hey, you know, we're kind of we're looking at starting. This is kind of closer to a model, and you'll pick your brain, ask 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 those questions." Uh, the the biggest piece kind of sounds snarky, but it's true. It's that if you're going to start it, you really need to have a friend, partner, significant other that can pay for your life for a decently long amount of time. It's not, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you can, you can be doing everything right. But if you're having to hit that mortgage payment and pay your electric bill and pay for food while doing that and paying your employees, I, I mean, people, people are able to do it, but I, I couldn't do it. I mean, my, my wife's a partner in the business. She works full-time. She pays for the work. She still does that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely primary breadwinner. And it's, it's not a very fun advice, but, I mean, we, we would not be able to do this if, yeah. if my paycheck, <laughs> yeah. that 
every once in a while you pull, uh, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. had to pay for things. And that flexibility that she's, she's, you know, given me to be able to do this has been, has yeah. been great. Yeah. That's great advice. Great real life advice for people to hear. Is, is, you know, people see the great plays. They don't right. see all the hard work, sweat right. that goes in. Yeah. I mean, I mean, otherwise, I guess it's you know, make your business plan and get your thirty to forty or whatever you think you can pull and, and make sure those numbers are are tight. Because you know, when that when that bank account goes down, the first thing that shaves is that. That's that's your easiest lever to push, right? You can't. Your vendors aren't going down. Your your payrolls not going down. Your cogs are staying the same. It's yep. it's it's your uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that that's the. Um, you know, we just having this conversation earlier today with a guy that, you know, jumping out and starting your own business after being 20 years, having a paycheck, you yeah. know, getting paid on a regular basis, and you jump out and you do this, um, you know, the, the money's not there. But on the flip side, you know, the one thing I would say to those people are the rewards for being your own boss um, yeah. offset money yeah. 90% yeah. of the time. As long as you can put a roof over your head and yeah. get some ramen noodles, you know, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's 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 definitely yeah. It'd be it'd be really hard to go back. Uh, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, and, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And, Something and, we all agree on. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you know, flexibility and that you know, if if you want to take two and a half weeks off and you know that you're just going to let things burn for a little bit and yeah. nothing's going to happen, yep. but you can still, you can do it. Yeah. You know, right. you know if yeah. you want to, you know, try things, you know, go try Belgian beer and go there and see that, you know, no one in the HR department is saying, well, well, you have two weeks vacation, but you've got to split it up in at least three segments right. because right. You know, we can't really right. afford to have right. it. Right. Yeah. Um, so. and, the, and the importance of which, you know, we talked about a little bit um, on, the, on the last one was good team people that you can delegate to yeah. and getting over that hump because I know it was for me I know it was for Audwin um, I'm sure it was for you but getting to that point to where you can trust other people to delegate right. and realize that if I'm not there they're still going to do a good job and that's they're, hard but once you get there it's, it's great. very hard it's very hard but once you get there it is it is yeah. and, and also just I mean I get bored easily so I mean the other great thing about starting your business is you're even even in a day, you you wear so many different hats, doing yeah. so many different type of things. You know, from the yeah. overly technical to the you know boring data entry to physical labor to whatever that you're. It's not like you're not doing the same thing for eight hours. I, right. I couldn't do that. But yeah, I couldn't either. Yeah, no yeah. way. No way. So Justin, we appreciate your time. Um, yeah, thank you for uh, letting us come in and set up here um, and record. Uh, it's a great place. I uh, highly recommend it to anybody, any listeners are out there that are in Indy or coming through Indy. Um, stop at Blackacre Brewing in Irvington. Um, great beer. Uh, I know all that we tried has been great, uh, above average, yep. definitely by far. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, it's a great building, um, great owners, and uh, stop by and enjoy it. So. And, and I, I will say that this conversation has been fascinating. Because I think you've hit on some really important issues, information that people, not just brewers, but just people looking to make a jump, make yeah. a jump, do something that they want to do, they can just think about. Just think yeah. about it. Because that kind of, you know, 
just avoiding one hurdle is worth a lot when you're in the middle of a sandstorm yeah. dealing with you know, issues the whole time. And I just, I really appreciate it. This is really fascinating. And yeah. the fact that we drank good beer is just always, it's always <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in reality, that, that's really why we started this podcast, <laughs> yeah. because it gave us it's, that excuse. Yeah. It's a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. 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 <laughs> if we could travel, travel the country and uh-huh. just uh, drink different beers at breweries and talk about this as a tax write-off, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Thank you.